0: that was there sitting there. Are we good? Can I go? Okay. Alright, so go ahead, do the clock, you guys. We're starting right now. This is the intro. Uh, it, I think most of you know that Justine and I have essentially formed a kind of a preach team at Lake Sam where what we do is is that we're talking about the sermons on an ongoing basis. We're talking about what God's doing and how he's doing it and what he's doing. And I, this is just a really great exchange where I get to talk back and forth and hear what she's thinking. And she's always looking forward and seeing what she thinks the Lord is going to say. I've stolen many of her ideas in my sermons and so on. And she hasn't stolen any of mine back. I'm supposed to feel badly about that, I know, but I don't. But, <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that she'll talk through. So what happened was, is when we started in Luke 10, and that would have been some weeks ago now. When we started in Luke 10, she actually said, I've got something for the Good Samaritan, and I'm pretty sure it's the Lord. So I said, okay, when we got to the point of the Good Samaritan, which was actually, was it last week? Was that really? Ah, it's my time. Okay, so it was last week, and, but before last week, she said, okay, it looks like you're a Good Samaritan. Do you want to do this now? And I looked at it, and I prayed about it, and I really felt like the Lord was telling me, no, this is what I want you to do on that particular time, which was last week, and then, right after I got with the sermon, literally, I went back to her, and I said, okay, now tell me, what is this, tell me again, where do you think we are with this thing, that, what the Lord's doing with the Good Samaritan? And I want to tell you, when I went back there, I already had some sense of something I would do if I were preaching this week. But I also knew that maybe God was doing something else, and so I went back and I said, where are we on the Good Samaritan thing? And she opened her mouth, and I'm telling you, every word that came out was so God. It was just so clearly where we were supposed to be right now and what we were in Now i'm not going to steal the thunder about what she said because she's going to say it okay and i don't want to steal from that but but if i were to give you just a sense of what it had to do with it something along this line it was along the line of we've been talking about empowered for a long time and we're even in the masters level of empowered where it's going do and she said there's still a lot of people that aren't going and doing and there's a reason why and I have a key from this Good Samaritan that the Lord has given to help people go, to make it easy to go. And when I heard it, I went, man, this is the next sermon. I did take it home and prayed about it before I totally signed off of it. But I went, this is absolutely the next one. And then just to confirm it, I was with a group of people just recently, and we were all talking. And I just thought, I just want to see how people are actually doing. And so I asked, how many people in this group of people that I was meeting with are actually going out and praying for people for healing regularly? Even if it's just loved ones, family members, and so on. How many people in this wider circle of friends, how many of you are regularly praying for somebody? And basically, the answer was virtually none. And I think that that's really true. I think that really is exemplary. I mean, I know a lot of people want to do this. But this idea that there's something that is still, there's something that we could get that would help us actually start doing, that's where we want to be. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how many sermons we do. It doesn't matter anything. What we do up here doesn't really matter. What matters is is that the Lord moves us to do what he wants us to do. So I'm really excited because I think the Lord is going to give us an incredible key for unlocking this thing that he's been trying to build us into, and the same thing that he did with the disciples. So with that, do I get to pray for the sermon, or is he doing that? Or do you have somebody doing that? Can I pray for it? Well, sure. Do you already have somebody? I want to pray for it okay. this time. Okay, so whoever it was that got that, thank you, we'll next time. Okay, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, this congregation, this family comes before you, and first we want to say thank you for leading us. I mean, thank you, God, that you are week by week, you are putting together step by step the things that we need, that you are carefully and, and just like you did with the disciples, that you are bringing us step by step into your fullness. Thank you that you own this church that much. You are the head of the church. We just don't let you be that. And so in Jesus' name, thank you for having taken that. And thank you. For taking it ever more strongly that this church should be discipled by you no matter who's speaking no matter what's happening that you're the one discipling us and today Lord take this incredible insight and absolutely change our lives because of it change how we are in the world that we might become ever more who you want us to be so in Jesus holy and precious name thank you and I pray for um, uh, the gathering place Peter van Bret and Gabby And I ask you, God, that the word of the Lord would go forth from that place with anointing and power and with life-changing presence, in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Justine, right behind you.
1: (laughs) Snuck up on you. You did. (laughs) Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. It's rainy today. (laughs) Well. When you prep a sermon, you create a spot in it for the prayer time, and it was not then. So when we get there, we'll do something else, a jig or something. Does that seem okay? (laughs) A jig. Shout out to Strong Bad. Um, So I met Kurt 16 years ago. I was working at Christian Supply, and uh, uh, he regularly, in my memory, it felt like weekly Uh, it was probably not week every week but it was regularly that he would come in and say justine this is joe he was my server at lunch today he wants to know more about jesus let's buy him a bible (laughs) regularly you guys and so when josh and i uh, were newly married and we're looking for a family church to be a part of i said we have to go try this church because that is the pastor i want a pastor who is leading people to know jesus Isn't that a pastor you want? That's the pastor you want, right? And here we are, we're in this empowered series, and every week he's challenging us to get out there, right? That's also the pastor I want. I don't want a pastor who says, you don't have to do a thing. Don't feel uncomfortable. You're fine just exactly how you are. That's not the pastor I want. So, it's not the pastor we have, right? (laughs) We have a pastor who's kicking our butts every week. Get out there. Try it. Get out there. Which, um, ladies who were at the women's retreat two weeks ago, um, the sermon that Kurt gave the week that you guys were gone, I would highly, highly encourage you to listen to it. It was phenomenal. And he talked about how important it is as a skier to get out on the slopes. Because you can study the theory. You can study the physics behind it. But until you put your gear on and go down the slopes... I mean, it's different, right? The first time I touched snow from coming from the tropics, it was wild. It's different when you're out there. And that's what, that's what Kurt's saying. He's like, get out there. It's going to be different than what you think it's going to be, right? That's the pastor we want. Yes? Yes. I'm not like that. <laughs> Kurt wants to feel like you like him. So he wants you to say yes a little louder. That's the pastor we want. That was fake. I hope you feel better about that. (laughs) Okay, he does. (laughs) So what if you're not like Kurt? I mean, he's kind of a bold guy, really. Leading his server to know the Lord during lunchtime? That's not a lot of time. That's not even like a dinner time. Maybe in a dinner time, but in a lunchtime? That's bold. That's gutsy. That's our Kurt, right? It's part of why we love him. But what if you are not like that? How can you walk in empowerment if you are nothing like that? Do you feel that way at all? Great, that's nice that Kurt can go out and do that stuff. I'm just not like him. So uh, <laughs> a few years ago, Josh and I were stuck behind a horrible car accident. Um, it was on Highway 26, is that what it is? Um, On the way to Astoria where his family is. And it's a uh, double highway, is that what you call that? Two lane highway? Thanks. Um, I never know how many lanes to count when you add up the size of a highway, but one and one. Okay. Um, And so when an accident happens, there's no way getting around it. Has anyone driven that road? down to the Oregon coast, okay, so you know, you're weaving through all those little towns, right, and it's just notorious, and it was a a fatality, and it was multiple cars, and we were stuck there for about three hours, and we were not that far from it. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) we're sitting there, windows down, like you do, right, waiting for the accident to get cleared in the summertime, and I kept saying to Josh, should we go down there? Like, we're licensed pastors. We were, uh, we're licensed pastors, Josh and I, with Foursquare, and we were on staff here for many years. And so I'm like, we're, you know, we have our cards in our wallets. We, we're chaplains, basically. We can go to where police say you can't enter. Then you say, well, I'm a pastor, and they let you in. And then you can go help, right? We should go, right? I mean, we should go. What do you think Josh was saying? No, no. <laughs> So I'm like, but babe, if Kurt and Julie were here, they would go. (laughs) Okay? And Josh said, much to my relief, well, maybe God should have brought Kurt and Julie here then. (laughs) And I was like, you are right. We should still go. But I am very happy to not have to go because I'm freaked out by that whole scenario. I mean, that doesn't feel like, yay, an accident. Let's go down and offer help not a medic, I don't, you know, I'm a pastor, I really don't, what do I have to offer? Ever felt that way? Yeah. Well, the Good Samaritan story, it's probably one of Jesus' most famous parables, right? Everybody knows the Good Samaritan story, and I've grown up in the church, I've probably heard it a million times, I've acted it out, like, I don't know, umpteen times in many different countries on mission trips, it's just great, it's a great story, Right? I think it's a great to-do list for us. We should, we should go where no one else is willing to go, right? We should help people in need, right? Right? We should use our time. We should use our resources. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Like, shouldn't that be the hallmark of God's people, that we should do these things? Yeah. What if you stop and then you get fired for being late? your job? What if you're maxed out? What if you have so many children? <laughs> and you don't have a spare hand or a brain cell to help anybody? Like, what if you don't have any money to help? What if you need help yourself? I think we have a lot of what-ifs about, I love the Good Samaritans to-do list, I'm like a huge supporter of it. I don't know how to get all that done. I, you know, I have other stuff to do that God's called me to. I'm a mother. I'm a friend. I'm trying to do all these other things too. Ever felt that way? So when I, uh, when I fought Kurt for this verse to do, this passage, and he won last week, I was very disappointed. Um <laughs> I even said to him the morning of, you better do it justice, man, (laughs) just because I'd been thinking about it for a couple months. And the question we're going to talk about today is, are some people more suited to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit than others? Is it easier for Kurt to be empowered than the rest of us? Because it kind of seems like it is. If he's late to work and, te- and says that he stopped to do God's business, he won't get fired. That's nice for him, isn't it? What do we do about this? Is it just for the risk takers? Is it just for the confident, the resourceful? What are the rest of us supposed to do? insert prayer here, <laughs> jig, do a jig, something, because this is where you're meant to like, get your brain to like, <sighs> and now we start, it's, it's a thing, you probably don't feel it, but when Kurt finishes his intro, don't you feel like, okay, now we're moving into it, okay, so summons that feeling, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, uh, grab out Luke 10, because that's where we're sitting in Luke 10 today. We're in our Empowered series. We're going through Luke and Corinthians, and we're just looking at the life of Jesus and saying, he was empowered with the Holy Spirit. He is our role model, our leader, and our Lord. If Jesus was doing it, that's what we can look to for our example, right? And so here we are in Luke 10, and there's a different speed bump for me this time. I've heard this story, like I said, over and over and over. Anyone else? Over and over and over. This is probably the one story that every one of us could repeat (laughs) easily if we had to, right? This time, something different jumped out to me. So, let's read together. I've uh, truncated it a little. So one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Basically, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? Tell me me what this is. Teacher, what, what am I supposed to do to be one of God's children? Right? Great question. Even though he was being snarky, it's still a great question. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. This story is not a to-do list. It is a response to a question. What does loving my neighbor look like? And Jesus said, okay, I'll give you an example. It's not our list of requirements. It's not a hoop list to jump through. Do you understand what I'm saying? The story of his actions is not how you are saved, right? The story is, okay, you want a more specific example of what it is to love? Then I'm going to lay it out for you. But this is not a list to do, because isn't it easy to reduce Christianity to a should-do list? This story and our faith is a love story. That's what this is. It's how to love. Or it's an example of one guy loving. Okay? Thank the Lord. He made us all differently. It's actually his good plan that we are different. He didn't want us all the same. That's his plan. We're not all meant to look the same. So in the same way, the specifics of how we outwalk our relationship with the Lord is unique. Yes? Yes. One thing we have in common, love. That's non-negotiable. Would you agree? Okay. So, uh... beginning of the story, love your neighbor as yourself, and love God, by the way. End of the story, or middle of the story, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man in a ditch beaten up, left for dead, he felt compassion for him. This is a love story. He was walking along, and a man saw a man in pain, and felt Sad, compassion I want to help that guy that's love that's love not what the movies say love is (laughs) this is humans loving each other right at the end of the story Jesus says so who do you think was the neighbor and the guy says well the one who showed mercy that's the same root word as this word compassion. It's the splenetsknei that Kurt likes to use. It means that turning in your gut when you feel for someone. The bookmarks of this love story is love, compassion, mercy. These are the traits of God's people. So I was walking down the street um, with a friend in a, uh, in a small town walking down the main street. And um, it's her town, it's not my town. So we're walking down, um, heading towards a coffee shop, and there's a lady in front of us, sobbing. Um, Like, visibly hurting. And I went up to her, and I just said, are you okay? What's wrong? And um, she, she was crying. She told me that she'd just put her son on the bus, her little boy, to send him to California to live with her mom, because she'd tried to rebuild a life for the two of them, and it was not working. She didn't have enough money to keep the apartment for the two of them, and so she was having to just pay for herself, send him away. Oh, the grief. I mean, she was just sobbing. So I hugged her, I cried with her, I just listened to her, and, and then I said, you know, I'm a praying person. Is it okay if I pray about you? And I didn't pray with her right then, it was a busy street, but she just said, thank you for stopping. Great, and we went on our way. And my friend said, oh my gosh, when I saw her, I thought, oh, (laughs) go around, go around. Oh, good, Justine's here, she'll do something. (laughs) What's funny, truly, is that's not my personality. I'm not especially gutsy. I'm not especially compassionate. In fact, when you do those spiritual gift tests, mercy is like, I got no mercy. <laughs> Justice is where mine like, hits high. But I was walking along, and I, I've seen that pain in my own life. I know what it is like to be standing alone and sad. Like, I know that feeling. Anyone else? <laughs> and I just, it, it, to me, to walk past her would have been harder than to stop You know, that's what love does in your gut. (laughs) When you love a human as you love yourself. You guys, this empowerment thing is not hard. Do you hear what I'm saying? This empowerment thing is not bells and whistles. It's not boldness. It's not personality-based. It's none of that stuff. Empowerment is love. Now, don't take my word for it. I've got Bible to back me up, are you ready? <laughs> First of all, um 1 John 4 is a, just a phenomenal chapter. If you have some time later, actually not if, take some time later. Read through John 4, or 1 John 4. It's got some good stuff, but right there in the middle, do you know what it says? God is say it. What is God? What is his character? His nature? What did he make us to do? Love. What did he make us to be? Love. love. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. God is love. The Holy Spirit is? Really. Because I kind of see the Holy Spirit as like the butt kicker. You know, like the, I mean, think about it. He's our, our rod and our correction, right? I mean, that's how we know the Holy Spirit. No? No. Anybody? Say it louder for me. Faithful are, the from a Faithful are the wounds from a friend, but is he a little more stern than like Abba Father? Isn't the Holy Spirit a little bit more of the prodder Come on, get off your butt. Let's go do something. He's is it? A he's a comforter, but is he like the sit with me and I'll comfort you, or is he kind of like the push you out of the nest comforter? How is that <laughs> well, you gotta fly. That's a comfort. No. I really think, guys, I'm, I'm making jokes about it, but I really, <laughs> Greg, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That was love? Oh, he felt. <laughs> <laughs> Compassion. That was beautiful. I think we see the Holy Spirit as our challenger, our equipper. You know, he is the source of our boldness. You know, when you think about who the Holy Spirit is, doesn't he have, a, doesn't he have like an action? Don't you feel like an activity? when you talk about the Holy Spirit versus when I think about Jesus, it's different. I feel like Jesus is saying, come sit with me. I'm your teacher. I just just don't, anyone else, is it just me? I feel like the Holy Spirit is like the go-getter of the Trinity. (laughs) He's got all the chutzpah, the Holy Spirit. No, it's just me. Thank you, Joy, thank you. I see two people. Let's continue, shall we, my two people? (laughs) <laughs> All right. Romans 5:5 5, 5. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with we are able to love because the Holy Spirit fills our hearts with God's love. So the Holy Spirit is our love source. Source, not like sauce that you would put on a on a Dickie's
2: lunch.
1: On a Dickies lunch. Not like that. <laughs> nice plug. Um, okay, Romans 15:30, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you. This is Paul, asking for prayer. I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me, given to you. By the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to talk about what the foundation of empowerment is, it is boldness. Yes? It is personality. No, it's love. This is where it starts. So this is how um, the Samaritan story and our lives look like. We're going along we're just doing our thing right living the life that we have and we see someone and we feel for them and then we do something to help them that's it I think sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit empowerment is going to be like you're walking along and then there's like a sign appears in the clouds and you're like wow I'm supposed to lay hands on them for healing be healed and then we walk on and they're healed like i think we make it this mystical weird hollywood version <laughs> and all it is is you see somebody hurting and you're like wow i i know god heals sometimes if not all the time so i'm still going to pray i can pray they're hurting i feel that pain In fact, in impairment, this love thing is a really big deal. We all know this passage. (coughs) If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a clanging cymbal, a rude noise that no one wants to be around. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge... And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. The message translation says I would be a zero. I would be a nothing person. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body to be burned like a martyr, I could boast about it, except you'd be dead. But I could boast about it, Um, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This is a serious warning about moving in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying here is you totally could move mountains by being a prayer warrior. And if you did not love them, it means nothing. Wow. Wow. Love is a big deal. Do you hear me? Are you feeling it? Love is everything. Love is the foundation and motivation of our Holy Spirit empowerment. Now, some people are super lovey-dovey. They love people all the time. Even Kurt, doesn't he say to everyone, love you? Well, I'm a little more picky. <laughs> I would probably say, Kurt, is there anyone you don't like? Not really, you kind of love everyone, right? Call center people. Oh, call center people? Adam's calling you out. <laughs> I guess Kurt needs to put one of those stop and prays right by his phone. (laughs) Somebody print up a little mini one that we can stick on there. (laughs) But, you know, Kurt's heart is he is a people lover. I'm so inspired. And Julie, too. Once I saw Julie treat somebody with more respect than they deserved, in my opinion. (laughs) And I said to her afterwards... Why did you do that? And she said, because in heaven we're all equal. And one day I have to look them in the eye as my equal. Why would I not treat people like they're worth something? I'm like, oh Julie Brunk. <laughs> I want to boil her down and inject her, you know, so I could like <laughs> be more like her. Anyway. So this is how this looked for me this week. Can I tell you, if you've heard me speak before, you know that God does not let me speak before he makes me walk through it. This week was epic. So um, I'm not going to... Well, sick kids, no sleep, the regular stuff, right? Then on Wednesday, I had like a migraine that... See, I get migraines maybe once a year, so it's not quite frequent for me, but usually I say to Josh, having a migraine, I'm gonna lose, so I get paralysis on one side of my body. It's hemiparetic. It's not, it's not a big deal. Um, but I say to Josh, oh it's happening, I'm gonna lose my words soon, it's my right side this time, I'm gonna lay down. And then like I literally, the first time I had it was in high school, I thought it was a stroke. So anyway, so I was laying down and I was saying to Josh, so this time my face started to go numb, the headache was the worst headache I'd ever had in my life My tongue went numb, my mouth went numb, my throat went numb, and I said to Josh, hospital, (laughs) like it's all I could do to get the word out. And he carried me to the car, and we drove to the hospital. And as I was driving there, I was saying, God, (laughs) this sucks. Where are you? I don't have the time or money to go to the ER. Are you kidding me? I'm meant to be sermon prepping tonight. This is not awesome. (laughs) Uh, six hours later. Anyway. I was in the room after an hour, I think. Then I was in the room for about two hours before I was seen. It's a long time for an ER. Um, and a, a doctor came in. He said, I am so sorry. The nurse had been coming in and taking my blood pressure and just watching me, okay? So I wasn't alone. But the doctor said, I'm so sorry. But um, the man in the room next to you is not doing well, and we've been working on him for two hours, and he's not okay. And, and so I'm laying there, not doing good, and gosh, I prayed for him. <laughs> so the doctor's punching in my uh, migraine cocktail meds first time. It really helped. But <laughs> They like do this mix of meds, and he's typing it into the computer to order it, and he gets um, called back through the, you know what I'm saying, right? Voice, yeah, intercom, thank you. Um, and he's like, I've got to go. He's not, he's not okay. I've got to go. And so the nurse starts injecting the cocktail, and it's a big dose of Benadryl. Has anyone had one of these? <laughs> it's funny that they call it a cocktail, because it's not that fun. Um, And then so they're pushing this Benadryl through your IV and it is like you're being put under. It was like this wave and the nurse said, she'll probably sleep right now. But I was praying for that guy. So I fought that Benadryl, baby, and I stayed awake because I was praying like, God, give him life, give him breath, like give him eternal life, don't let him die till he knows you. And whoever's with him, give them hope, hold them, God, like I was praying this because if you've ever been laying in a hospital feeling like you don't know why, that you're having the headache of your life, because I thought it could be an aneurysm. (laughs) It was epic. I was in so much pain. And I thought, I haven't written a goodbye letter to Zeke, my baby. I've written letters to my other kids. I know I'm weird. (laughs) But I haven't written one to my baby, so I can't die tonight. God, don't let me die. But then this guy was actually dying. So I had all of my emotion, which is a lot when you have no sleep. Um, Right, Michelle? Yeah. Um, And then we heard the crying start, the wailing. So then I prayed for them in my Benadryl state. (laughs) And I just prayed for them. Because God is our comforter, you know? And God is our savior. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Anyone. I was literally unable to walk into that room. I could not go. Do you understand me? I literally was plugged into an IV, sedated on a stretcher. (laughs) I was unable to go and do anything. But praying to the sovereign, almighty God of this universe. Do you think that is worth anything? Everything. It's worth everything. Sometimes I think we want to pray for people so they know that they've prayed for. Because that's helpful, right? That somebody would know in the name of Jesus. P.S. It's Jesus that I'm using. Like, Jesus. I'm talking about that God. Like, Don't we want them to know? We want them to know God's bigger than that. When I was laying on the stretcher, I thought of Kurt's words from two weeks ago. Excuse me. (laughs) When you come across a need, don't think, what can I do? Think, what can God do? It's a defining moment. If you're walking up to someone and you see a need and you think, there is nothing I can do, it's not your problem. (laughs) You're not supposed to do anything from your own resources, right? What can God do? God, what do you want to do right now? laying on a stretcher i thought of those words because it's not what i can do literally i could not do a thing for that guy right except pray to his maker amen prayer is powerful i had to be motivated by love to pray for him though right god doesn't make us sick i see no scriptural evidence that god makes us sick However, I do see scriptural evidence that God allows sickness, right? God took me to that hospital on Wednesday night so I could team with him and pray for that man and that family. I have no doubt about it. And I was all having a tantrum about him wasting my time with sickness. (laughs) And he was taking me there. What a good God. Where is he taking you today, this week? Okay, I need to tell you one more story. It's really ugly. you ready? (laughs) We were having a dispute with somebody we were doing business with. And um, she was starting to get nasty about stuff. We had totally fulfilled our side of the deal. My husband has integrity, and so when somebody questions his integrity, I get all fighty. So I looked up our legal rights, and I started to, like, dig into how we could make sure that if anyone was going to get hurt, it wouldn't be us. Right? Been there, anyone? And I was driving along, and I felt, I was praying about her, and I was like, God, just what is her deal? And I felt God say, spirit of selfishness. And I was like, yeah, total spirit of selfishness. And I'm praying against her spirit of selfishness, and then I realized he was talking about me. <laughs> I was pinching pennies. I did not want her to receive an ounce of blessing. I wanted her to receive nothing from us. You know what I mean? I didn't want her to benefit from us any longer. Gross, right? Spirit of selfishness. So, I'm praying about it, I'm praying about it, and then God reminds me, hello, you're prepping the Good Samaritan story about mercy. Have mercy instead is what I felt him clearly say to me. Have mercy instead. So I called Josh and I said, whatever she's asking for, write her a check for it. Just do it. She's a person. She has struggles. And I'm a person of mercy. That has to be. Now, when I told Kurt this story, he's like, but you have legal rights. Which I do. <laughs> which I do, right? And there are times when God asks you to take those up, yes? Yes? I'm not saying, this is not a blanket how-to-do-life thing. I'm just telling you what God told me about my situation because I had a bad attitude and he was teaching me about mercy. Got it? Right. We haven't heard back from her yet. So I don't know how this story ends. But I am holding on to being a person of mercy and not rights in this scenario. I'm sure God will teach me something else next time. Guys, this is basically what it all comes down to. If you feel like you've been struggling with this empowerment series or the empowered thing at all, start here. Look at the humans around you and let your heart feel what they might be feeling. Start with your roommates. Start with your spouse, your parents, your children. Look into their lives and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to have his love, to know, to be moved by what they're going on. That will take the fight right out of you, right? And you will be a vessel of God in your house. And it will change, love changes things. God's love changes things, yes? Your church family, would you look around Today as we leave, look, would you be moved? And would you ask God, what can I do? Kurt was saying that, you know, he talked with people about they, they're not feeling like he could pray for people. Start there. God, I see a need, and I care. And I don't know what to do, but you do. So I'm asking you. Um, this, you know, this guy that was dying, that died, I prayed for him to be saved. That's called intercession. It's when you pray for somebody because they're not praying. It's, it's a standing in the gap prayer. Do you know what I'm talking about? We get to do that. That There are examples in the word of God. So we know we get to do that. You get to stand in the gap for people. Start there. It doesn't take time from your job. It doesn't take, right? It doesn't, and it can be, Lord, help them. Done. You can move on. P.S. I have not moved on. I'm still praying for that man's family. So don't expect when you have love in your heart that it's easy to put it down. But it's different when it's not a list of to-dos. Yes? It's different when you're motivated by that love and compassion. Kurt talked about, in two weeks ago's sermon, he talked about how Francis Chan had talked about, um, that was a lot of talked about, talked about, talked about, talked uh, about about Francis Chan saying, God, would you move today? Who is here? Francis Chan was praying, God, would you move today? Would you move today? And and God says, I don't move for your enjoyment. I move when things are critical. This is what I know about the love that God will put in your heart. It will propel you and place you into critical situations. No amount of pre-planning or timing or boldness or personality or resources or anything like that will actually position you In those critical moments right love does his love is amazing that way it will put you next to a lady crying on the street and it will be harder to walk past her than it is to walk to her that's the miracle of God's love yeah does that give you hope for being empowered your cubicle mate your neighbor do you know their names? People on your street. Boy, look around. Let's be like the Samaritan. <laughs> Love. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, I do want to thank you for making us unique. God, you, you made us so diverse, and I know you're not asking us to all look the same, and That just gives me hope and joy, Lord. I just pray for every unique individual here. Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts, that we would know your love, God, that we would be people of love, compassion, mercy, that it would be our hallmark, Lord, that we wouldn't think, what can I do, but we would always think, God, what do you want to do in people's lives, that we would just be moved by your love, the end, Lord. Thank you. Amen.
0: We're not done. We're going to have a discussion, and we're not going to go terribly long. I wanted to go really long on it, and it's not because of time, because I'm really debating whether or not to do the discussion or not. Uh, I'm afraid to leave this space, and I, so I'm not quite sure what we're going to do right now, but I'm going to figure this out here in the next minute or so. But let me just say something. The reason why that story that she told resonated so much with me, and the reason why she doesn't usually mention me nearly as much in a sermon stuff, and I say, go ahead and do it. And the reason why was because this is my story. I know you know me now. I'm 58 years old. The, the, the longest that anybody in this room has known me besides the Morrises is for 18 years. That's how long we've been here. I was still 40 when I came here. What you don't know, I've had people that have known me for a long time that were in this room, and I said, I'm not who I was, and they will say, that's exactly true. And when you talk about me being loving, I really, she says, is there anybody that you don't like? Is there anybody you don't like? I'm sorry, I really have to search hard to find somebody like that. I'm not saying there's not people that don't like me. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's uh, That I can come up with a whole long list real quick. <laughs> but that's not what this is for me. I, I don't, but here's the point. If you didn't know me when I was 20, nobody would have said he loves everybody. Nobody. They would have said he's, I don't know, let's not go into all the things that they would have said about <laughs> me, okay? But they would not have said that. And I was not somebody who was going out and boldly trying to help people and trying to do that kind of stuff. What happened was is I got saved when I was 19 years old, and then it started a journey. And the more that I walked in that journey, the more he transformed me. And I mean transform. I mean I was one thing, and he made me something totally different. I, I want to have been a person that grew up with Christ my whole life because it would have saved me I think a lot of ill even though it doesn't save everybody that but I have to say one thing that people that come later in their lives do know is the difference between who they were and who they are because of Christ it could not be more radical and that's what it is in me and I have to say that the reason why I love people and I'm bold is really simple As I went ahead and tried it a few times, as I did fall in love with people, God put love in my heart for people, and I was like, wow, I didn't like them before. Now I do like them, and I don't just like them, I love them. And they're going through something hard, and man, I just want to help them. And then I would just, exactly what she was saying. It didn't start with me thinking that God did miracles. It started with me thinking somebody was hurting, and I wanted to come alongside because of what the Holy Spirit was doing in me. And as I did that, then God would do stuff. And the more God did stuff, the more I really wanted to go help other people and not because of the stuff but because I knew that he would do something and so if I saw somebody that was hurting I'd go help them and then God would do something And and then that made me want to do that more and then I'd I'd see somebody else and pretty soon I started seeing everybody as as honestly let's just be clear everybody as a total mixture of this thing that God has made that is glorious and this thing that we are which is abominable and it makes me want to help everybody. Because we're all this, whether we see it or not. And it just draws me to him, knowing what God can do to change a person. <laughs> so that's why I love that story. That's why I think she's hit the key, you know, hit the nail on the head and, and given us a key to unlock everything about Empowered. And and we're going to try. And if it doesn't seem to have life in it, we'll, we'll jettison, okay? But but let's give it a quick shot. I I just... If somebody's got some testimonies that are along this line, we really want to hear those. But let me say, if you've got a question, I almost want to do that more than the testimony. So I said we'd be doing testimonies today. And if you've got a testimony about how God moved through you that might help inspire somebody to go, yeah, okay, I can do that. But if you're sitting there and you're going, I still, even though what she just said, I still have a problem, would you you're in a family and you are loved and if you can't ask this question here where are you going to ask it right cuz everybody here is dealing with the same stuff and we want to help each other so could we take a minute and try and help each other and get past this so go ahead if anybody's got a question or a testimony like i say we would do want to hear some inspiring stories too if you've got some i could tell you people have been emailing me and i you know we published one in the weekly update that was phenomenal and you don't get the weekly update, please do because there's good stories in there and so on. But anybody got anything here? Okay, thank you. We only have one mic. We're going to be fixing that in the next couple of weeks. So, Adam is going to get in his Fitbit miles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so I was one of the ones, um, and I wasn't going to stand up, but that emailed Kurt this week. Um, I've been struggling with a lot of anger towards my ex and his wife. And I felt God really pushing me during Kurt's sermon on Sunday saying, you need to pray for his wife because I found out she had cancer. And I was, I came into the sermon saying, absolutely not. I'm not going to pray for her. And thinking, yeah, she's getting what she deserves, you know. And so when you were speaking, I kept hearing God say, you need to pray for her. Mm -hmm. And you need to pray for healing. And so Monday I woke up and I did it. And I was like, okay, there I prayed. Um, Well, Tuesday I heard God say, well, now it needs to come from your heart. (laughs) And I was like, really? (laughs) Like, I don't want to pray for her, you know? And so I did. And by the end of the prayer I could feel myself crying. And I heard God say, you did it. It was from your heart. And the next following day I did it again and it was a whole lot easier. And I found out that day that she was finally released from the hospital. Things were looking better, and throughout the week, like I could feel my anger and resentment just slowly diminish towards him.
0: So, and and who actually got healed here?
3: <laughs>
0: right? Let's be clear. Okay, go ahead. Who else? Good family time. No, I was saying who else. Okay, here we go. Hannah. be nice if some people fairly close to them raise your hands next.
3: <laughs> hello I'm Hannah and um, in general I believe that everyone has something good about them and that if they're really grumpy or negative there's something going on with them right and that that kind of needs healing or they need love basically but when I'm in the emotion of the situation or I'm being impacted I have a tendency to sometimes forget that so um, I go to this um, kind of quick-serve restaurant once a week. And um, I go there because they have, like, 50 gluten-free options. And um, it's one of my favorite foods. It's, like, one of the only places I can get it. And the woman who owns it is also the person that works there full-time. And she's just kind of mean and cold. And every time I go there, she says something negative to me. And I just really don't like her, right? And – but I go there because the food is so good. So – One day I was leaving, and I felt God say to me, and I I was late for an appointment, um, and I really don't like being late. It really stresses me out. And I heard God say to me, go tell her how much you appreciate the gluten-free options that she has. And I was like, "Uh, okay, but I'm late, so I'm going to go. So I just kept walking, and I was like, oh, okay, I have to go do this. And I started walking back, and then I was like, but I'm so late, and I just feel so bad, and God's like, go tell her, and I'm, I'm literally... Crossing a street, going back and forth, like I'm losing my mind. And then finally I was like, I just got to do this, right? Like I got to, I got to, I'm just going to do it because I'd felt, you know, I'd had words before and God always, obviously he's God, pulls through and when I've given the words or I've done the things, it's always been awesome. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And so I went in and um, I pulled her to the side because I didn't want to be like announcing it to everyone. I didn't know how this was going to go because of how she is. And I just you know whispered in her ear, I told her how much I appreciate um, you know her having so many options it's really hard for people like me to eat out and be able to eat much and just kind of said that in like three or four sentences and she literally and if you know me you know I do not exaggerate she literally like attack hugged me I, I've literally never gotten a hug like this in my entire life, sorry wow. not even from my big strong husband <laughs> um, I mean she Wrapped her arms around me and she held me so tight for probably like 30 seconds or a minute I mean she just held on to me and she just started crying and she said I cannot tell you how much I needed to hear that mm-hmm. And I mean this woman works uh, you, six yeah. days a week, you know full-time and ever since then She at least with me. She's totally different. She's like she has this positive kind of happy vibe and I'm not saying I did anything but there was something in that with You're God good. and it was awesome.
0: Can I, can I say, does everybody understand that that's empowered? When you hear me talk about empowered, do you think it only means, thus saith the Lord and lightning bolts come from heaven? Because if you do, that may be one of the problems and it's exactly why we, why we wanted this. Empowered is love. It is love in action, in fullness. Sometimes it'll go beyond something like that, and it'll go to a word of wisdom or knowledge or healing or something like that. But I just want everybody to hear and to know when we talk about being empowered, really what it means is being moved by the love that God has put in you to move to the person. And then whatever happens, good. (laughs) Right? That's what empowered is.
1: I think there's a, a, a tendency that we have to think, um well, some people just love everybody, and they just, like, sure. you know, well, do I have to love every panhandler I see? Like, do I have to love every, you know? And I think that's the whole thing. When you walk with the Holy Spirit, he's not going to have you stop to every human you pass by. And I think we have an right. unspoken insecurity about that. Like, well, there's a lot of people that are laying in ditches that I'm going to have to go help, you know? I, I want to say
0: this. I had an exchange with somebody who wrote in an email to and They said, well, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to talk to that person or not. And here was my answer to him, this may be a surprise to you. I said, if you weren't sure, it wasn't God. If you, you know, we all have this thing inside of us, but we're supposed to help everybody. And this person was wrestling with the, this thing, and I said, here's the thing that I've learned in the years that I've been doing this. When God is moving me, I don't have any question about it. Now, I can't tell you in the beginning that that was true, but what I can tell you is there was a lot of me that just wanted to help. And then I learned over the years as I started moving, the stuff that was actually God. And at this point in time, like I say, when that person said, well, I couldn't tell if it was God, you know, because I really wanted to help and I really wanted... And I said, did it feel like the Lord was smegnitzimizing you? Did it feel like he was turning your gut? Did it feel like there was something of love that was compelling you? It's Hannah not being able to get across the street. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? That's when you know that it's the Lord because you go, oh. And then when you do that a few times, it starts becoming really clear what is and what isn't. And you walk by a lot of panhandlers, and that's not where God is for you, right? And then all of a sudden, if you'll quit, if you don't just, as a group, quit looking at them, but if you'll just allow yourself to see people as people, every once in a while you'll see something. And when you see that thing and it moves on you, and it starts, then you move to it. Yeah. Go, okay. ahead. Who's, go ahead. Um, go ahead. One more thing go, as go you're back taking there, the mic. and then go um, ahead.
1: I think that... Uh, Hollywood has taken this feeling and made it like a romantic thing. So I I want to explain something. Have you ever walked into a room and somebody's popped out to you? And you're like, oh, I must be attracted to them. (laughs) Or something, right? You're like, there's something, there's an energy there or something. Do you know what I'm saying, anyone? Yeah. Bueller. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I feel like that is how the Lord, there, there were times every year when we were doing the youth ministry and a group of kids would come in one or two of them would just stand out to me right away. And I knew that God was asking me to do something specific with those kids, you know, like specifically pay attention to those kids. And I think that that's part of, if the whole body of Christ is mobilized and we're all helping the few that God's calling us to, everyone's covered, That's right? right? So don't feel like you're taking on the weight of the world to step out in empowerment.
0: Go ahead. Name oh, first.
4: Oh, Jennifer Lubansky. I feel like I'm supposed to share a story that kind of feels like it's coming from the opposite side of the pendulum, because okay. usually I would be, like, overly compassionate and, like, yeah. do things. And I feel like, f- for me, empowerment looks a little bit more like setting a limit and then watching people go out of their freaking minds while I just stand there and go, oh, that's the limit. And and I've experienced that more with Can having… Can you explain that? I didn't get that. <laughs> so. We have a six-year-old, right, that's joined our family. And love with him looks like sometimes um, an hour and a half, knock down, drag out, where I go, that's the limit. And he's bouncing off the walls and throwing a fit. And I, you know, there's no spanking allowed. There's nothing like that. And I just have to keep saying, that's the limit. I love you. That's the limit. I love you. That's the limit. Until he really gets it and something shifts. And for me, my experience even in the marketplace is a little bit like that, of gently saying that's the limit and then seeing people act out kind of dramatically against it, but that to be empowered is to just stand Mm -hmm. in that moment and in that truth and let it be.
1: Yeah, that's great, Jen, because I feel like we often think that love is kind. Those are not same, same, right? Love is for their health and betterment, right? Love is giving them Jesus. And sometimes that means, hello parents, discipline. <laughs> Love is not to spoil and to give everybody everything they need. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And that's so true, Jen. That's that's right?
0: Good. Was there somebody who had their hand up over here? Who's got, who's got a, another thing here? Is there a question about all of this? Go ahead. Up here, Adam. Thank you. Like I say, if you have a question about this, well, I'm thinking this way, and what about this? I'd really love to hit just a couple of those before we quit. Go ahead.
5: Uh, my name's Patty, and I have a question. So I'm struggling with um, one of the big ten: love your, honor your mother. Um, we have a difficult relationship. You did
0: cut the feed on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go
5: ahead. Um, she's dealing with a little bit of dementia, memory loss. But the world, the glass isn't half empty, the glass is empty for her. It's all negative. And it gets tiring to deal with that. I try to call every day. She lives in another town. And it's just a battle. And I don't know how to help her. She doesn't try to help herself. But I know I'm supposed to be doing something. And I, I pray and nothing.
0: There's a thought that pops to my head, just try it on. The situation that you describe is not uncommon anymore as we live longer and as these things are happening more and more for whatever reasons they are. And, And the situation that you're describing, if anybody gave you a pat, simple little answer to it, shame on them because they don't understand the depths of what it is that you just communicated, how really difficult that is how wearing on the soul, how much you intended to be a certain kind of person, but just over the years, literally, that just goes away. Okay, So I would never, and I wouldn't want anybody to give you a pat, just love them some more. But there's something that I believe about Christianity that I think is exemplified in this example. And that is, for those who Christianity is a comfort solely, and they think that it's always going to be a comfort. And C.S. Lewis, I put it in, the, in one of my postings, and C.S. Lewis says, if you want to talk to me about the doctrines of the Bible, I will listen attentively. If you want to talk to me about, oh, help me here, what was the second one? If you want to talk to me about the requirements of the scriptures, I will listen submissively. If you want to talk to me about the comfort of Scripture, I won't listen because I fear you don't understand. Now, that's a weird thing to say. But here's what I think he's trying to say. The hard things are the most glorious things. Jesus Christ on the cross, there is no harder thing that has ever been endured by anyone ever, period. The God who made us, to be nailed on a cross by his own creation willingly that there's no more suffering that could ever be done than that and it sets us with a foundation in our faith which is this the things that are the hardest are the things that have the most glory in them so i weep and i struggle and i heart my heart goes out And the support comes to you. And if anybody ever got it in their heart to go and help her, because the Holy Spirit would move on you in an empowered way to help her with her mom in some fashion. All of that is absolutely true. But for you personally, and the question that you asked, my answer would be something along the lines of, as you continue to press into the Lord, it's not for naught. I'm not saying that there'll be a moment that'll make it all worth it. I'm saying that there's going to be in the fullness of it when it's all said and done, and I mean heaven included. You will not have a complaint about what God did because you will see things that it did in you. You will see things that it did in others. You will see moments. You will have things happen. There will be these things that come out of the rough parts of our life. We like to think that we would learn when things are easy and we do, just not well. The stuff that we learn from the hard stuff is the stuff that sticks. It's the stuff that really grows us. And I just have this feeling that if you can embrace the suffering of it in him, that his loving embrace will get you through even the times that you're not entirely certain that you can be gotten through. You know what I mean? Where you've given up. He'll carry. And there'll be these things that'll come out of it and you'll be able to have a testimony, as so many other people in this place do, and I know that you do in your own life, too, where you go, that sucked. But if you had to take away from me what I got out of it, you know what I mean? If, if, if you could say, you don't have to go through this, but I have to take away from the what you got out of it, you wouldn't make the trade back. You'd say, I would never want to go through that again, but I wouldn't lose what I got. And I think that there's a, f- does that help? Does it? If it doesn't, come and talk to me, okay? And either way, like I say, let's surround her in in care, okay? Is there anybody else? Go ahead, Tammy. And we're, we're about to close it down, so let's give it, if there's one or two that really have to be done, great. If not, we're getting there. Go ahead.
5: Mostly I just wanted to see Adam run across the church <laughs> uh, No. <coughs> um, so I don't know if there's a question in here or not, but I feel compelled to tell this story. Um, when we were talking about the, the Good Samaritan last week and the ISIS soldier and who's your real enemy, um, for me that was uh, a pretty real situation where... Um, in a lot of ways, I get along with everybody. Like, I'm pretty easygoing. Um, I'm a little shy when you first get to know me, but after that, forget it. But um, but I, I just, you know, I never really get upset with people, even if they've hurt me or different things, for whatever reason, most people. But when I was uh, younger, um, uh, there was one person in my life who basically terrorized me. Um, and it was ongoing, and it was it was really hard. And to the point where... In October, I was standing in my brother's house with his 38 in my hand, and just I just can't. I've been pushing it down, pushing it down for my entire life. Um, he was in Europe, so he wasn't there. But anyway, um, thankfully God sent a couple people who uh, were concerned about me and called me until I finally answered my phone. And I ended up going to the hospital and did 10 days at UW inpatient uh, psych unit. And from there, I um, have started doing some counseling for PTSD. So um, so I'm working through all this counseling stuff about this person. And then we get the, the ISIS soldier example. And um, you know, for me, I, I'm just struggling with like, and praying through like, what, is, what does that look like for me? What am, what, how do I keep myself like mentally healthy, but also deal with it in a godly way? So I don't really have a, an answer for that, but I'm like right in the middle of that. And I just felt like I was supposed to share
0: that, so. If you want to know who I really was before I became who I am now, I was the one that terrorized. I'm not kidding. And there's a person that I pray for to this day. And I, you know, I didn't process it as that or anything, but you didn't. I think that's why you're supposed to say that. This thing that God does, go ahead.
1: I just think, I think she brings up a great point because especially in this day and age where we're talking about um, people who are like um, victimizing people, right? So like horrific, abusive people. Is the gospel that we should go and live with those people? <laughs> I do not believe that is true. And We have some certified counselors in our congregation that we can refer to for help for that. And I think this is why we need the Holy Spirit, because there's not one answer, right? And God leads you. And there are times and seasons where thinking about a person or a situation, you just can't do it. It's not healthy for you, you're not strong enough yet, and you lean in on the Lord, you give it to Him, you get all the help you can for you to be strong, right? And then there are seasons, haven't we all experienced it, when you are called to pray for those who persecute you. And in those seasons, God is there and he's equipping you And to discern what season you're in. If you don't know, reach out and get some help discerning what to do, right? Because sometimes in our own efforts, we get into a cycle of staying with abusive situations and we never get out. So this is not the gospel. The gospel is not to be a doormat. The gospel is to be empowered to love. Those are different, right? Those are different things entirely. So if you're feeling like I'm kind of there and I'm not sure which way to go, please reach out. Kurt can connect you with trained, excellent, God-spirit-filled advisors who can help pray with you and work that out. Does that, is that helpful? Anyone in your life that's struggling in that area too, like please connect with Kurt for resources for that. Because sometimes in our own minds, we can't find the solution that is healthy and right for us, right? That's why God put us in a body.
0: Just join me in prayer. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we come before your throne right now. And and we 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 have received from you today a simple truth that is the most powerful of all. And that is that you are love, and that you have made us to love. And that love is the thing that is to move us. Love is the thing from which we are supposed to do whatever it is that we do. That we not be just a clanging gong or a noisy nuisance. But that it be love. And you have taken in this discussion and shown us where... Some people can get a little confused because they're trying to love and yet it's a difficult situation and it can be abusive and all of that. And I just want to say, Lord, would you just do a favor? Would you send us out? Would you start quickening us so that we would know to move and as we move that we would experience you so that we came to understand the difference between Times when you're moving us, and something else is moving us. To be your instruments is not only to do your will; it's to do your will only. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you would give everybody enough experience that all of the thousands of things that we could think about happening, we they just start to go away as we actually start doing it and we realize really there are some variables but they're much much less broad and that would happen is is that we would start being able to divine to divide between soul and spirit bone and marrow by the Holy Spirit's leading that we would start knowing what is you and and we don't know that until we move so God move us that we might start to be able to refine that that in Jesus holy and precious name we can see oh I know when it's the Lord we're never going to be perfect but I know that this is the Lord and I know that this other isn't and that we don't do the isn'ts. but that we do the ones that you're drawing us to You draw us to you for salvation with love. Now start drawing us with love to situations where we can help. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this cup that's in front of us and reach down and grab those cups. What a great time, if you don't know the Lord, what a great time to say yes and amen to Him. I mean, right now this moment i don't mean this service i mean this very minute what a spectacular time for you to say i want to be transformed i want to be made new i want to become all of the glorious things that you have for me and i want to walk away from the things that aren't you that, that aren't helping me that aren't helping others that have stopped me from being the things that even in my own heart i want to be this is your moment along with everybody else here all of us those who don't know the Lord and those who do those who do already know how much that we've mucked up our lives but then we know how many times that we've done things that weren't what you intended and weren't what you wanted and weren't what you led and we didn't even know you and we still knew it wasn't it but in Jesus holy and precious name God we take our fingers and we put it in here and we break this and we say that by not becoming the fullness of who you want us to be, not as a a weight, but by not letting love lead. We've actually broken not just ourselves, but the world. That's not to put a weight on us. It's to acknowledge that you have ordained this world for one to reach out to another in love, to be the neighbor, to be the good Samaritan. that that heals the world so in Jesus holy and precious name this congregation embraces your loving call your gentle call to simply let us be moved and in so doing to bring healing not just to others but to ourselves so lift this cup together would you and as you take it just say God make us whole. Thank you, Lord. And now we lift this other cup in which is the life that you have for us. I feel like you you take this part.
1: I took my mic off. God, your blood changes everything. We take this cup and we say okay. fill us with your love. love make us clean make us whole god that we could pour out the mercy and forgiveness like you have poured out for us we drink together
0: One of the reasons I wanted to do the discussion a little bit is I wanted you to see me and Justine up here because I think that there's even more that the Lord's going to be doing with us as a church in terms of not just bringing people up from the pulpit but putting all kinds of things together because this family is a family and that every one of you has an absolutely critical part of what God is trying to do here and I just want us to be breaking through all of the normal patterns that we might start getting to this thing that God can move through every one of us in the way that he wants we're going to take an offering now Lord in Jesus holy and precious name this congregation agrees that we want to become your body holy H-O-L-Y but H-W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy completely and utterly and we recognize that just as this offering if if people withhold what you've led them to do then there will be a lack that's clear in an offering that needs to be clear in our church if anybody withholds what God has given it's a lack it's a missing piece and the body craves the wholeness of God. So let your offering right now be whole and rich. But in Jesus' name, God, take it as a saying, we want to be whole and rich. We want to be everything that you have us to be. So we're in and we're contributing all of what you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for that sermon.